Welcome to ABC at Noon. My name is Paul Schreiner, and I am with my co-host, Larry Boss. Larry, how are you doing? Uh, good. How about you, Paul? I'm good, Larry. We are here every other week on Monday, and this is live. If you're listening right now at a minute or so after noon on Monday, what is the date? 26th. 26th. And we are here with uh, City Council candidate Todd Etzler. Hi, Todd. Good afternoon. Glad to be here. Good. Larry, would you introduce our general topic, and uh, we'll get started. Well, I want to remind people that what we've done here is this ABC at noon, Issues at Noon, uh, is based upon the Agenda for a Better Community, which is based, uh, a bunch of people got together about a year ago and said, here are some issues that we need to talk about on the air. Uh, and we developed this program to do that. And if you are interested, if you can go to abcbelpo.org, uh, you can get all the documents. And I encourage you to do that. If you can't do, do that, call 476-9000 at the office, and we will get you a copy as soon as possible. And these are the issues that we want to we wanted discuss on, on the air. And so, and remind, this, this program plays at noon uh, today, which is today, tomorrow at 5 uh, and then again on Sunday at 5, and then on the following Tuesday, I think, which, which comes out to be September the 3rd, again at 5. So you, if, you hear, if you want to hear this again, or if you miss parts of you want to hear those parts again, you can listen to it several times in Just the next couple of days. Just keep your radio on at 5 o'clock every day, and eventually it'll show up. Yep. So Todd Etzler, you are a candidate uh, for city council. What uh, what district? Uh, at large. Oh, you at large. That's right. And we we interviewed uh, Liz a couple weeks ago, and she is the other at large candidate representing the Democratic Party. And our first question is your opportunity to tell us about yourself. So there's three parts to the question: Who are you? A little personal background. Uh, what motivated you to run for office? And about what issues are you most passionate? Oh, very good. Todd Etzler. Thanks. Uh, I was uh, a, a product of the Valparaiso High School and uh, the elementary school system in Valparaiso. Uh, grew up here and uh, after that uh, went to uh, Purdue for undergraduate in construction management and then law school at IU in Annapolis. Uh, we decided to come back to Valparaiso. Uh, at that time, I joined a, a local law firm. Uh, called Burke Costanza and Carberry and was able to practice law there for about 20 years. Since then, uh, I have professionally been with uh, uh, in-house for a, a couple of corporations with, uh, within Northwest Indiana. Uh, personally, uh, family is from Valparaiso. Uh, my family today, I have uh, uh, fiance Danielle and our five children are uh, uh, all starting to move out of the house and um, just left one in New York just yesterday. So, and moving forward, the uh, uh, why am I uh, doing uh, this? Uh, I've been involved in Valpo for a long time. We all care very passionately about Valparaiso growing up here, the school system, and uh, the city itself. We're all very happy with uh, the lives that we have. I want to make sure that those people coming after us have uh, very similar lives. Uh, I saw this year that um, we were going to have a significant change in Valparaiso. There's going to be a, a nearly a complete turnover of 
definitely in the mayor's position, and then at city council level also. Uh, with my experience uh, being on uh, various uh, city boards, uh, also being very involved in the uh, regional uh, and Valparaiso communities uh, my entire life, I uh, care deeply about it and think that I can bring some uh, vision and experience to a uh, to the community and uh, have been doing that in the past and wish to continue that way when there's uh, going to be uh, several positions that are uh, bringing on uh, some people that uh, are not uh, fully experienced having a little bit of experience on the board uh, or on the city council will be a good thing I want to just underline that statement. We are going to have a virtually whole, wholesale turnover of all elected city officials. Uh, I think there are only three incumbents on the city council running, and we know the mayor's been in office for 16 years, and Sharon has been in office for over 30 years. That's a big change. So this is a critical election. Um, you didn't answer the third part of my question, but I'm going to let Larry say something because he had something on his mind. Okay. Well, I, you know, I have a whole series of questions I want to ask, but when you, when you bring that up, I'd like to jump to the fact that given this next election there's going to be change, could usher an entirely different set of people and a different set of values. A question I have, if Democrats gain control of the city council and the mayor's office, uh, in what ways do you think it'll be different than the past? Well, let's talk about uh, a couple of things that I think that I'm passionate about with um, the city council. That was the third and, part of my question. And yeah. that's and and that's making sure that um, as we're there, there's a whole lot of different views coming forward. And we've had many years of a uh, competent council and a mayor, uh, but they've all been very similar uh, in thought process. As we go forward, uh, I think that bringing some diversity to the council, being a, a Democrat, I would be bringing obviously party diversity. Uh, but um, I also believe that uh, from in the uh, private sector, we see that diversity in terms of uh, gender, race, different types of people, uh, um, uh, male and female, you, you suggested Liz coming on. Um, all those things bring a different view, and it's important that we look at that as a whole and say, take all of these views. If we have a, an agenda that we wish to push, take those views into consideration. Maybe we get some good ideas out of all of those views. Um, the, uh, the corporate world has seen that this is a huge benefit and that um, Every, the, company, the companies all benefit from a diverse workforce. Uh, the same thing happens in, in the city itself. And as we move forward, uh, there will be an opportunity to hear a lot more of those views than has been, have been heard in the past. Could you point to anything specific in terms of what if the Democrats do gain control more than just a diversity discussion? What kind of different viewpoints do you see coming out of that? Well, I, or are I, you just I, more yeah. concerned about the process itself? Yeah, well, the, there, there are a couple of things. One, if you want to talk about specifics on uh, bringing diversity to the city, um, having a, uh, a goal of hiring uh, outside of um, those seeking to prioritize 
uh, bringing people in that are not necessarily always from Valparaiso. Uh, seeking, setting goals as um, when we hire, uh, seek hire people to hire, that we would then have those same people uh, push to the, to the communities where we don't usually hire from and try to get that word out so we get those applicants in that are of a, of a diverse uh, community. Particularly on boards like uh, um, RDC, the BZA, appointed boards where... Appointed boards, too. Uh, the, diverse, the, the benefits of diversity are come to whether you're a hired employee, whether you're appointed a uh, person to a volunteer board, uh, or if you're running for city council. So I think that all of these things uh, can benefit from having a lot of different views. Okay, I'm going to jump into one of our issues, okay, Larry? Yep, yep. Uh, the Costas administration has been widely praised for the amazing work they've done with the conversion of downtown. Uh, and there are very, very few who would be critical of the manifestation of his efforts. But at the same time that downtown has become kind of alive and vibrant, there is a sense in this community that some people have been left behind. If you look at the statistics regarding income distribution in our community, and Larry can cite these much more precisely than I can, the growth of people of, of significantly low income has been significant over the last 10 or 15 years. Can you cite a statistic for me there, Larry? Oh, if you want a, a whole list of them. In, in, in 2010, the top 5% of, of the income workers uh, made $240,000. In 2017, that number jumped to $318,000, an increase of $77,000. At the same time, at the bottom 20%, in 2010, income was 9,600. That jumped to 11,200, uh, or an increase of 1,500 bucks. Okay, so you know you've got this massive increase in amount of wealth at the top, and essentially nothing at the bottom. So, and and there seems to be evidence that the percentage of people living in poverty in Valpo has uh, essentially doubled over the last 10 years. Is there anything? that the city can do about income disparity? There is, the city can do um, great work with the school system that we have. And we have, over the past couple of decades, uh, done a very good job of emphasizing college readiness for every one of our students that come through the Valparaiso school system. As when I look at this, I say, look at a whole bunch of people out there that, yeah, we got them college ready. They go to school and they, they drop out after a year or something. They're just not, they just don't want to go down that path uh, that, on along that line. We have a very good vocational technical school in the Career Center um, in Valparaiso. The emphasis of the vocational technical training uh, saying it is okay if you're not going to college. Fine. During our in education, get them to the point for education that they can go to college if they choose, but let's not make it a, a black spot on them if they're decided to go into the vocational world. Now, what do we do uh, to do that? We, we did 
decades of um, propon proposing, uh, proponing, being a proponent of college readiness, we do the same thing uh, in terms from the city council for our school board and say we can then take these students that have successfully gone through our schools and wish to be in the trades, wish to be working uh, in the uh, factories uh, that we have here in Valparaiso, or getting them ready to be able to do that so that when we go out and try to bring additional employers to Valparaiso, we have the people ready to do that. Uh, you cannot uh, bring new employers to the city if you're not you don't have the employees to take care of uh, the work that needs to be done and many of those employers are not necessarily looking for um, for four-year degree college accountants they have those but they, they can get those uh, people uh, in lots of places when sure. they come to a community like us they want to have people that are ready to go and work uh, the machines that they're using, and they, they're, they're technical now. They're not, they're not necessarily the, uh, the manual labor type work uh, that uh, we need to educate for that type of work. And when we have people in the career center that are, have 100% placement in every one of these businesses that we have are fortunate to have in Valparaiso and Northwest Indiana, we need to see that there's an opportunity to take those people that may be in that lower wealth area uh, because they don't have the training to get into good jobs, to bring them into those jobs through education. If we give them tax abatements to bring their businesses to Valparaiso, can we monitor or can we put conditions that they pay a certain rate? Because when you pay a guy for, to work 40 hours for nine bucks an hour and he's got a family, he's still stuck. Oh, there's there's no doubt that these these when we're talking about employers, I'm talking about bringing employers and the employers that we have in town, educated, qualified, and very much um, excited to be working in their careers that necessarily aren't four-year degrees. Now, right. if you want to talk about tax abatement with, with those employers, those employers should be getting that tax abatement. Should there be some, um, and you can call it tax abatement, tax phase in, whichever you wish to call it, uh, but we're expecting them to uh, invest in the people of Valparaiso. So we, are, we do have those types of um, requirements when you receive tax phase in, but you need to be able to enforce those also. Um, there's debate on how much you know, give and take you, you have in a new business coming to Valparaiso. But there's no problem uh, putting some uh, strings. strings to these types of uh, businesses. We're providing them uh, a, an opportunity to invest. We're giving them the, the financial wherewithal to invest. And with that same thing, we want equipment and people. Larry. Well, is, can I push one step further on that question? Is there is there some kind of formula that you might use uh, in determining whether a tax abatement is necessary? Is there some kind of standard that could be used? Because I look over the last years, I don't see any abatements that have ever been refused that have reached the city council level anyway. There may have mm -hmm. been some that have been knocked out before that particular point in time, but I, I've never seen any specific statement of criteria. Could you... 
There have, beyond what you've already said. In my, pri- in my yeah. private practice, I have requested abatement. And there are requests for those, that type of how many employees are you going to be bringing? What's the, what's the, av- the average wage of those uh, employees going to be? Um, I have never seen, and maybe it's because we haven't had the, oper- the reason to do this, any type of clawback of any of that money when they don't meet those standards. But I know what occurs in Indiana. Um, there was a, the time that you used to have a very limited use of uh, these types of uh, tools for industrial and commercial work. Um, it's been increased, broadened, so that they can uh, get some um, uh, Perhaps in uh, the housing situation, if you're bringing in uh, apartments that are going to be able to be used to uh, uh, house some of those people that aren't in the $300,000 pay range, then those tax abatements may be appropriate. Well, since you mentioned it, let's <laughs> let's climb down that ladder. <clears throat> housing is a, a, a corollary to income because if you can live in a very affordable housing situation, you don't need as much income. And there have been uh, organizations in town that have committed themselves to, to uh, facilitating a partnership with the city in terms of creating what we like to call housing for all income levels rather than affordable housing because all housing is affordable to somebody. The city as a rule has been less than responsive in, in embracing any responsibility in the housing uh, market. As we've seen most recently, uh, close in development has been focused on high end condos that clearly do not serve the needs of the people that work downtown uh, or the people that work hourly jobs. Should the city play a role in nurturing the, the offering of more low cost housing? <clears throat> I don't want to call it government housing. I don't want to call it low-income housing. Uh, I just want to call call it housing that doesn't cost $250,000 for a family of four. The city has always been in the housing market. Um, Our decisions that we make in terms of our zoning code and what the restrictions we place on there dictate uh, the cost of housing in the city of Valparaiso. Um, I sat on the plan commission for about 10 years and um, was involved in the uh, revision of the, of the current uh, zoning ordinance. Uh, I argued for some things that didn't get in. I argued for some things that did get in. Um, when we're talking about housing, I think there's a, you know, when you look at many government programs, you've got the high end is taken care of, the low end is taken care of, but some of those people that are in the middle are not necessarily getting what they need. Um, There's a lot of housing in Valparaiso that uh, has been here for a long time. It is a a situation where um, neighborhoods maybe haven't hadn't been invested in for a long time. We have situations where we have facade grants for the revitalization of downtown. I think we have a mechanism, or there are mechanisms. I'm not telling. I'm not sure exactly how to fund all of this right now, but there are mechanisms for funding uh, facade grants for homes or improvement grants. Not necessarily facade is a too is too uh, restrictive, but improvement right. grants, where if there are uh, neighborhoods that are uh, um, 
not haven't had the maintenance necessary to them that that occur. We can take the same focus that we had with the downtown from the city side and look at maintaining those same neighborhoods that we designate as a priority for uh, the city of Valparaiso. Now, can this be funded? This can be funded in many different ways. Um, Redevelopment Commission obviously has the ability to deal with some of these things. Uh, there's incentives that can be made, uh, given to uh, developers who are developing in this situation. There is um, the- well, let, me, let me stop you there. What kind of incentives? Well, if you, for instance, if you have a, a subdivision that is being um, added onto or remodeled, renovated in in some way where they they're able to uh, receive infrastructure uh, based on a, the opportunity of uh, having housing that complies with the rest of that older neighborhood necessarily you know if we we think about the places that have the uh, the two or three bedroom salt box type homes uh, that are wonderful housing for the people that um, we're talking about then um, encourage that type of building in Valparaiso through some of this these incentives okay uh, the city the city has opportunities to do infrastructure the city has opportunities to create a fund that where you build um, in high you know for instance sometimes we take care more care of our trees than we do our people we have a, a tree fund that if you cut down trees in Valparaiso you either plant several trees for each one you cut down or you, if you pay some money when you build houses you have the same type of thing uh, if you're able to um, build a build high-end homes and you're able to set aside some money for that same type of project that's sort of like a land fund you're talking about something like that um, it, it would be – I'm not sure that we would actually bank land. Yeah. Uh, or, or I don't think the city is necessarily in the de, the housing development business. Yeah. Um, but have resources cool, so available for for that. Land is hard to, to manage. Cash is, cash is a little bit easier well, we, to manage. Well, we just recently spent a lot of tax money to promote St. Paul Square. Yes. And the, the bottom price was – $269,000 for a two-bedroom unit there? 289 289 That doesn't cut it for the, for the person who's working, uh, uh, working retail downtown. Now, that was tax money that went to subsidize, and I was in favor of that because of the logic behind creating uh, additional tax revenue from that development. Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering if that same kind of decision can be made for the builder who's going to build 11 square, 1100 square foot starter homes. I think they, I think that it can. Uh, if we want to incentivize this type of housing that's necessary to get to those people that are getting these jobs after they have the education that I've just spoken about and are working not necessarily in management of these of these companies, but uh, in the uh, uh, in the general workforce, and they need housing in Valparaiso, then yes. So you would be supportive of that kind of shift in the utilization of tax support. Well, yes, and let's let's face it, Valparaiso is limited in its geographic area. That's a challenge. Annexation in Indiana has become very very difficult. Okay, so we're not going to be annexing lots of extra land without people uh, complaining about it. So redevelopment is what we have for a lot of places. Um, 
there should be the ability to redevelop with um, lower cost housing, but the market still requires that they they're able to to make their a profit on that. Sure. And so, if there's an incentive available for that, I think that uh, the priority uh, is just determined at the uh, at the city council level. Larry, uh, some people have suggested along the same lines that we develop. Um, a quality housing for all advisory committee for the city council along the lines of human relations com committee commission would you support something like that uh, i'm familiar with the uh, human relations committee i'm not i haven't heard anything about that that council but uh, consistent with my earlier comments if we have um, the ability to receive this kind of information from whatever groups they are um, I don't know if you're asking that there be a separate body involved in that, uh, but having the opportunity to hear the, the differing voices out there on what is necessary for our community, I think is an important thing. Okay. Larry, we have five more minutes. Let's shift gears and go to another issue. I can take one. Uh, there has been a, a, a lot of comment nationwide on the issue of health care. We are very fortunate in Valparaiso to have HealthLink, which is now spread to, I believe, four or five other communities. But it has been asserted that there still is a large number, of, there are a large number of people who are unserved by any health care system. And it has been suggested that we really don't inform people effectively of the resources available. Do you see a role for the city in providing that kind of information? First of all, thankfully we have HealthLink. Uh, I serve on the, I'm an elected member of the, the Center Township Board. And one of our, or our main priority there is the health and welfare of those who can't necessarily pay for it themselves. Um, in the same way that we have on the township board sought seek to uh, increase the knowledge of those people that are visiting us we need to do the same thing for the city of Valparaiso now well what do you do with that you know maybe Facebook posts are not the thing that's getting out to these these people they're not necessary and if they're using the library to, to obtain their uh, Facebook they're not going to have time to do right. that. Yeah. So in the center township, we have said, if you come and are asking for assistance, we are asking, do you have health care is necessary? Or if someone's asking for insulin, we've started to provide that those things. Every time the health care comes up in the center township trustee office, we're saying, now, if you go to HealthLink, this is what we know. We have educated ourselves in the trustee's office to say, you don't have insurance? Go to HealthLink. Fill out the application, and you can get services that day that are insured, and it's going to cost you $5 right. a month for that. So education is important. Getting those people to HealthLink, I mean, to have that in the city and not have people going to it is a travesty. So get them the education to know. All you got to do is get over it. Then you have to provide for transportation, and we do have the V-line right. that we're seeking to get to, the, to HealthLink. Got about one minute left. You want to take one minute and say anything else to have a chance? To, not a lot of time, I know, but <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I appreciate that. Like I said at the beginning, we are in a, we're in a situation where um, 
not a dire situation, that we're going to have a lot of good uh, new faces on the city council. Uh, I have that experience necessary to, to help guide those new faces, have to help uh, uh, lead the, the city and have the vision to, uh, to assist with that. Um, I heard on your radio earlier that uh, uh, one of the ladies quoted uh, Woody Guthrie, said music is, the, is necessary for, for two things. One is to, to comfort people or the, and the other to disturb them. Um, and she said that she fell somewhere in the middle on that. Uh, and uh, I think it's the same thing from a council, from a council position. From a, um, the mayor is responsible for making sure that the, the streets get paved and, the, and these things occur. City council members have the opportunity to bring some more ideas to it that this, the city, we don't have to worry about the this, this snow removal. We just I need to make sure it gets done. Todd Esler, thank you. Larry? Yeah, yeah thank you. Uh, thank you very much. For, this issue was at noon. And a, a, B, yeah, and, and we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and uh, have another candidate shortly. Welcome back to ABC at Noon. This is Paul Schreiner with Larry Voss. And our next candidate is Gilles. And because I never took French, and Larry failed it when he took French. No, I didn't. But you don't remember much. I don't remember much. Gilles, would you pronounce your last name for us? So I would say it's Charrier nowadays. I had to Americanize it a little bit. Uh, my kids probably say their own name a little bit different from the rest here because they grew up, they were born and grew up in this country. <laughs> so, Char G Gilles Charrier. Charrier. Gilles Charrier. Okay. Uh, you are a candidate for the city council of Valparaiso running on the Democratic ticket. For what district? District 5. District 5. Larry, you want to reintroduce? Well, no, yeah. The first question we have, basically... Um, Want me to introduce the yeah, show? Yeah, go, go ahead. Well, I did remind people this is ABC at noon, ABC at noon and uh, 
we are broadcasting live at this particular point in time, but we replay again on Tuesday, tomorrow at 5 o'clock, and again uh, this coming Sunday at 5 o'clock, and next Tuesday at 5 o'clock as, as well. Okay, so you get a chance to hear this uh, time and time again. And also remind people that about a week before the election, or several days, we're going to play all these interviews again. Okay? And we just interviewed Todd Etzler, so if you're just tuning in, you can hear him on our replay. But we now have Gilles. Shadir. So the first question is a package. It's an opportunity for you to tell us about yourself. Just give us a little background. Why are you running for office? And about which issues are you most passionate? So I think we just went through the uh, most difficult part is to say my name, right? That's, that's the hard part of the campaign. So thank you for, for doing this. Uh, my name is Gilles Charrier again. And I usually like to start by saying I was born and raised in Valparaiso, but it, it rarely works. People do not believe it. So uh, actually, I have been in, a, in, in the city, uh, in the area for 19 years. You have. Uh, I have. Uh, I just decided to, to keep the accent. Uh, I was born in Dijon, France, which you would probably say Dijon as the mustard. And um, at a young age, uh, just uh, almost 16, I joined the French Navy, uh, where I had did several jobs, but uh, mostly I was a electrician on airplanes. Uh, I, after that, uh, was managing a grocery store for a short time. Then I went back to school, became a computer programmer. And uh, around the age of uh, 26, I, I found my, my true love, which was flying airplanes. So I came to the US, which uh, had better schools, uh, more opportunities for it. That's about 31 years ago. And I, I, I became a pilot. So I have been a pilot uh, with uh, several companies, but the last 23 years with United Airlines. I'm now a captain on the Boeing 767 and 757, flying domestically and internationally as well. So you fly across the ocean? I, I do, yeah. I do that regularly. Okay. Uh, in a few days, actually, I'll be on my way to Edinburgh. Um, but uh, so that's, uh, yeah, it's... it's uh, uh, I feel uh, very grateful that, that I had the chance to, to do what I was dreaming of doing. I have uh, two uh, wonderful children, uh, Danielle and Alexander, who are 23 and 22 years old, who uh, came to Valparaiso when they were about, uh, I think, three and four years old, if I do the math. And so for them, you know, Valparaiso is the only place that they remember. That's their home. <laughs> and obviously, it is also my home. And so... Maybe that links to you know the next part of the question, which is why uh, I decided uh, this year to run for city council, and it is uh, because I, I I do love this place, which is my home where my, my children uh, grew up. I was coaching soccer uh, when they were six, seven years old for three years at the you know parks department in Valparaiso. Um, you know, one thing that's interesting is the question of why I decided to run for city council kind of has evolved uh, in the past few months because uh, as I have been knocking on doors and, and uh, you know, going to a residence, so I've done a lot of that with uh, candidate uh, Liz Werfel, uh, running for at large. And one thing we've done a lot is listen, listen to people. And, and, and as, as people have, you know, trusted us with their their fears, their hopes, their, you know, their concern. Uh, 
uh, it's become more clear to me why I'm running. You know, I, I think the role of a city council person is to represent the people. And this is very important, I think, uh, because there is a lot of pressure from, you know, uh, developers and different entities who have interest to take over. It's, it's easy for them to take over, you know, uh, our city government or, uh, and not giving enough. I mean, our city is doing a great job, you know, encouraging civic engagement. But, but I think sometimes uh, we forget that uh, we are sitting in the city council to represent the people f f first and foremost. So, so that's, that's my reason for, okay. for running to make sure. Uh, and uh, what was the last part of your question? The issues about which you are passionate. So I think I answered part of that, you know, to represent the, the interests of the people of Valparaiso. Also, uh, I don't know if it's something that I'm passionate about or that I feel that needs to be addressed it is sustainability. Um, we, I think everybody pretty much agrees that we have a major challenge facing us. And, and you know, young people that I talk to uh, regularly keep reminding me that they that challenge, that they are very concerned about it, and they're looking at us and say, what are you going to do about it? Are you talking about environmental and sustainability? Absolutely, the environmental okay. sustainability. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for okay. that. Can I uh, deviate from a usual pattern here and say, ask, what else do you hear from the people out there? That you, know, you just mentioned a little bit, but what else do you hear? You, you know, some of the things you hear are, are very simple things. You know, uh, the roundabouts, right? So this Circles of death, we call yes. them. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up with them, so I'm used to yeah. it. But I understand, you know, I think you have to respect how people feel, no matter you know, how you feel yourself. And, and um, uh, things that I hear a lot is, you know, the sidewalks that, that in a lot of areas are in, in pretty bad shape. You know, basic uh, infrastructure. Yeah, basic infrastructure. You know, I still, after all my years in Valparaiso, I still end up in, at some intersections where I am. Am I in the lane that turns or the one that goes straight? It, 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 it's not well indicated. It's, it's, it's not painted well. So that's a small thing, but people will share. Uh, there are, you know, big questions about, um, well, the, the increased assessed value of, of our houses and, and the property taxes that we're paying. Uh, there are uh, people's concerns about how will Valparaiso grow? What, what kind of neighborhoods will, will we have? Um, so that, that's kind of the, I think it summarizes what I hear from people. Good. You must have been born in the uh, late 50s, early 60s, 70s? Early 80? 60s. Early 60s, okay. 61. In, in 1950, the, the, uh, we were dealing with the, the flood of people from World War II, and there was a booming housing market, and the average house size was about 1,000 square feet, and they were built all over the place, and Valpo has some of those houses. Today, the average house size of a new house built is about 2,600 square feet. And I hear from many young people who were born in the late 80s and 90s and the 2000s that they struggle to envision being able to own a house because our market is now all focused on very high-end housing. Do you see a place for the city of Valparaiso 
in encouraging the, the, the building um, of more affordable personal residences? Absolutely. I think uh, we need to make sure that, that we have uh, houses for everybody. And, uh, you know, one thing that is a concern, and I hear that at the doors as well, is, uh, let's say, uh, someone who is a, a new police officer in Valparaiso, they, they, they will be serving us, defending us, but they may not be able to, to afford a house where they can live with their family. Uh, that would be also a concern, you know, when our children... Uh, grow up, they may not have the option to, to remain in Valparaiso. Uh, they may not find a house that they can you know, start a house uh, for a newly married uh, couple, maybe with one child. Uh, you know, the, the other uh, concern we've heard from uh, civil residents is uh, when people get older and they want or need to downsize. And now, you know, someone who spent most of their lives or all their life in Valparaiso might find themselves in the situation where they have to move just in retirement just so they can afford to live. So uh, I think, you know, sometimes there's the thinking that by keeping big houses, uh, we'll feel, you know, this, this seems in, in theory like, like it would be a very vibrant city because it's, it's big houses, it's... it's uh, Everything is looking very, uh, you know, wealthy, luxury. But we may be shooting ourselves, you know, in the foot in doing that because, uh, again, we may be the next person who needs to, to downsize and want to stay in Valparaiso or our children. Again. Interestingly, I was in Normandy a couple of years ago and I visited the mayor of a small town and he lived in a house of about a thousand square feet. <laughs> the mayor. Yes. Larry. Um, well, follow up on that what what can a city do to facilitate the creation of housing that uh, senior people uh, can come back and live in and what the younger people can afford so you know sometimes it's what the city can do or sometimes it's what the city shouldn't do for example you know do we need to encourage and and give a tax breaks to uh, developers that are coming to put more, you know, of the big houses that we, you know, an inventory that we have plenty of already. So, uh, I mean, like right now, obviously, there's, you know, the St. Paul Square. Uh, we, we have the uh, Brooks new development and uh, Hawthorne Hills, the, the north of Hawthorne. And, and all those development will offer very, very, very few, uh, you know, housing that, that is for, for everybody. Yeah. So one of the things that that we have been concerned about and the ABC document focuses on is the nature of Valparaiso as a welcoming community. Now, you came to Valparaiso, and you don't sound like you come from Valparaiso. <laughs> so you maybe have, have dealt with this, but you also have white skin, and you also are well-educated and, and probably have a profession that is widely respected. Is there any role for city government in finding a way to make people to, to make the community a more welcoming place for people who obviously stand out as different. Uh, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the, the great duty uh, of a government to make sure that, that we have uh, a, a fair government, that we are welcoming 
city. Uh, so yeah, you kind of answered part of my question by saying that, yeah, I, I am white and uh, maybe uh, if I had, uh, let's say, a Spanish or an Arabic accent, maybe it would not be the same as a French accent. French, French is kind of a couple notches up on the, on the packing <laughs> order, isn't it? So yeah, I've always thought that I was lucky because of that. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, uh, For example, is Valparaiso a welcoming uh, city at this time? I don't think it would be fair for me to answer. Uh, I think that's a question that uh, we need to ask, you know, uh, someone who, who, who came and, and, and in, is in a minority group of, of any type. The answer generally is it is not fully welcome. That's also what people have told me. And, and you know, I'm not trying, I'm not... You know, most of our residents in Valparaiso are wonderful people and, and uh, you know, great hearts, welcoming. So, uh, you know, the blame shouldn't go out to everybody. But as a culture, we, we have, I think, a duty to educate ourselves. And, and the, what, what hurts the most is the questions that we don't ask ourselves, things that we assume. So, for example, if we assume that Valparaiso is a welcoming city, period, we stop thinking. We, 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 st we stop asking questions, we, st we stop uh, having an opportunity to improve. And how might the city step into that challenging task? So, so, so there are obviously steps that have been taken, right? There's been the, the, uh, the, the human rights ordinance, right. uh, which was a great step, obviously. And, and uh, we, we have the, uh, the um, Human Relations Council, uh, All those are, 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 are great steps, and we need to work with them. Uh, also, you know, we're talking about uh, housing for all. Well, that's also being welcoming, the, 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 the availability of a place. And, and now the other uh, corner of the coin is jobs, is we need to, to, to have jobs that, that allow uh, people who come into Valparaiso to, to have good lives, you know, decent lives with affordable housing. You've already dealt with some of this in some ways, but one of the things we're, we've been interested in is that, you know, I, I think we appreciate what the, the CASA's administration has done with the economic development downtown, um, um, particularly downtown, and, and somehow have suggested need to do some things differently about, uh, about economic development. And on your a recent post on your Facebook page, it says, to be an American is to be able to dream a better future in Valparaiso, in Valparaiso without increasing the residents' financial burden. We can use new technologies that pay for themselves to create a city that will become a beacon of sustainability and healthful living, et cetera. Uh, what, what, what do you mean by that exactly? And, and as an alternative to the, what's been going on in terms of economic development? Yeah. So... Um I'm glad you're linking the two. I mean, there are a lot of studies right now that, that shows that, uh, for example, you know, the wind and solar uh, industry uh, in, in the nation has been creating jobs, you know, at, at a rate, let's say, something between 12 and 13 times uh, faster than any other industry. What industry? The, the wind And, and, and solar. So now, now I'm not suggesting we're going to have wind turbines downtown Valparaiso. I mean, right. obviously, this is not... That, that wouldn't play real well, I don't think. <laughs> the beautiful city movement would not tolerate that. But yeah. Yes. But uh, so the, basically, it's, it, it, it's an idea that uh, if you keep saying we can't, you know, we cannot do this. So we, we have this 
big challenge. You know, we've got climate change challenge that, that every, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to read on very neutral uh, magazines uh, what they're saying about what's happening with the environment. But you, you, you're reading, a, you know, Fortune magazine, uh, Forbes. So I'm talking about, you know, people that are not necessarily uh, tree huggers, right? Right. And, and time after time after time, you will see that they say the, the cli climate change crisis is going to cost the economy a lot more than it's going to cost to try to, to mitigate it. To, to go. So in Valparaiso, uh, you know, there, there, there are a lot of things we can do if we start. And, and that's one of... of Something that, that I feel very strongly about. You, you need to start with an intentionality. Okay. So one thing I would like to do in the city council is to create a sustainability advice, advisory board and, and have people that will sit there that we get in all the information and come up with ideas. And when we discuss, you know, at the plan commission or city council meeting, when you discuss a new project, there should be one voice at all time that says. How about the environment? What, what, what is the environmental impact? We don't have that right now. We, I, I rarely, when, I, when I'm sitting in meetings, I rarely hear concerns, you know, maybe quality of water, but that's about as far as it goes. So you're, in effect, combining economic development with environmental uh, conservatism, yeah. sustainability. Uh, absolutely. You know, my, my vision is that, you know, as we've had the Industrial Revolution, which, which is a needed step, and it, it created a, a lot of uh, safety and comfort for human beings. So I, I will, you know, never fall the Industrial Revolution. Now it's time, I believe, for a new phase. We have new technology available. And, you know, I, 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 I can uh, name, you know, a few uh, VU professors who are uh, extremely knowledgeable uh, in the subject that will tell you the technology is here. So now it's a matter of how do we put our, you know, our heads together and make that technology start doing something. You know, it, in, in uh, 1870, 1900, people in this country were big dreamers with a vision. And they did things that we probably, at the time, people would not have thought, you know, if you look at all the highways everywhere, gas stations every corner, electric wires bringing electricity and lights to your house. I mean, it was unthinkable 150 years ago. Do you see yourself as a visionary in this area? Well, you know, I hope to be pragmatic in some ways, you know, because a vision that's just a dream is, is, is not, you know, very helpful. So, uh, and... You know, I'm not the only one. You know, uh, I can bring you here a lot, a lot of the youth in Valparaiso that is very educated on the subject, who cares deeply, and which gives me great hope that, that you know, I'm, I'm very optimistic, actually, that we will address the, the issue. What I want is Valparaiso to be ahead of the curve. I want us to be a leader because there's also some, what I like to call, economical karma, into being the early one who have a lot of solar panels, electric car chargers, because, I mean, we've seen it, right? In the last 18 months, they've sold, like, what, half a million full electric cars? And, I mean, it's coming. And, and this year, uh, next year, I mean, 2020, uh, Ford, Hyundai, I mean, most of the car makers are coming up with new models of it's coming. And, and it's an opportunity, you know, because now we're displacing burning fuel for transportation to using electricity, now, a gallon of fuel, we can never turn that into anything else than a gallon of fuel burning into the atmosphere. But electricity, we can create that through wind or solar. 
And now we have a great chance to displace that pollution that was done by you know fuel or gas, as we say, into uh, renewable electricity. So, right. so we can take a big dent out of what we're breathing every day and, and how it affects you know, the environment. So, so one of the things that's obvious to me, it seems to me that in the past that the city council has been a quite passive institution. That is pretty much, uh, I'd never seen anything really novel and exciting coming out of this. So you're suggesting a completely different role for the city council than has been played in the past. Is that correct? Absolutely. So obviously, you know, I won't be able to uh, bring my own projects and vote for them myself and get them passed. So, but to, I hope to be that voice that, that will be advocating and, and hopefully, and I think I'm all, I can see that maybe we already have, uh, you know, I'm not the only person speaking like this, but we're starting to effect a change by changing the conversation and, and to start saying like, we don't have to be passive most of the people I talk to right now are telling me they're, they're very anxious and depressed because of climate change. They're, they're nervous because of, of what's coming out, you know, of the scientific community. And, and I'm saying like, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's normal to feel anxious, but let's do something about it. So I, I want to be that, that, that voice, you know, that, that, that relentless voice. It might not be pleasant, but I think this is a very needed uh, voice that, that needs to be there in the city council. Sounds like city council meetings would be a little bit different than they have been in the past. <laughs> the city council, for the most part, has been responsive to the um, initiatives of developers who have brought to them a plan, and then the city council had to stamp it. And you're really kind of reversing that. You're saying the city council maybe needs to initiate and then find some partners to make these things happen. Does that, does that make sense? It, it does, and I agree with that. And also I think it can work both ways. It can. So, so I think, you know, if you create the, the, the proper environment for that, you know, proper, we will have uh, hopefully entrepreneurs that will show up, uh, let's say, with solar panel installation, you know, or, or, or a microgrid, you know. I mean, the cost of uh, storage, electricity storage, batteries, is going down, I mean, rapidly. It's, it's like a free fall. So, so very soon, things that seem not doable will cost a lot less than, you know, uh, generating with, 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 well, coal obviously is the most expensive, but, uh, you know, natural gas or anything else. It's, it's kind of ironic that a, a guy who flies, uh, I don't know, what does a, what does a big <laughs> airplane weigh these days <laughs> across the ocean has to burn an awful lot of fossil fuel <laughs> advocating for these these uh, initiatives. I just find that to be ironic. I'm not throwing a stone at you because I, I appreciate not having to paddle across the ocean. Yeah, no, thank you. And, and, and uh, I do have this conversation in the cockpit while we're burning that fuel. But, <laughs> you know, obviously, uh, actually, you know, that's, that's a point that needs to be made. There's no finger pointing. This is useless to, you know, I mean, I've been, uh, I still have a motorcycle that burns fuel that I like to ride on occasions. Uh, there's no point uh, blaming, you know, people driving their cars to work. It's just that as a system and that the role of government to slowly come up with ideas and solutions that, that, that will allow people to, to, to be more uh, responsible. We all want that, I think, to be more clean and responsible. Um, this changes the subject here completely, just about, or, or maybe not, I don't know. A lot of time and energy was invested in the Belpo Next document and the altogether Belpo effort, okay? Uh, both of these pro programs produce a long list of things that citizens of Belpo wanted. 
Where do you see these proposals fitting into plans for the city in the future? Because they seem to have been sort of slowed down a little bit. Where do you see these plans? Well, so obviously you, you can see that I'm very interested in, in, you know, both those plans, in both those plans, the, the people who studied all the residents in the case of the Valpo Next vision plan, uh, Men, they stated very clearly they want environmental sustainability as be part of it. So, so they want to see our city to be a clean city and a, and a green city. So there is that. Uh, of course, now we're talking also about uh, you know housing for all. So, so this links to other things we've t talked about. So yeah, of course, uh, I think we need to revisit those documents. There was a lot of very good work that was done by a lot of people. Uh, it would be a great shame if we don't use that. Yeah. I can see a lot of things you've been talking about are, are things that are already included in that particular document. Absolutely. The Valpo Next um, independent organization that has been spawned from that document seems to be struggling somewhat. Would it be appropriate for the city to, to reinvest in it? We're talking about spending money. Yeah. So, you know, I've not thought about it. I've, I've not been asked that question before. Uh, I'm sure uh, there's value in it, or maybe it could be a different format, but using some of the same. You know, that's one thing I discover uh, all the time in Valparaiso. We have so much civic engagement. I mean, I, mean I, I, I talk to a lot of people who I've never seen before, but who seem to know a whole lot about what it's happening in Valparaiso. So, so we have that going on for us. And it's a wonderful thing. And, and uh, uh, so, yeah, you, the, the, the short answer is maybe or maybe a different format. But, yeah, we need to get the work done from the ground up. It, 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 that's how the government should function. Civic engagement sometimes is facilitated by having a budget. That sure. was my comment. Okay. We have about two minutes left. Uh, and Larry, unless you have another specific question, no, I, I, well, I have a whole bunch, but we, but, I, but you know. let's let's give Gilles Charrier. You, you said so well, Paul. Oh, Thank you. <laughs> I, I give you your French certificate. Thank you. You have a, about a minute and a half to sim simply wrap up your thoughts uh, to to our listeners. Okay. Well, uh, you know, I was hoping you would give me a chance to say, please vote for me, and. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think and, and I hope that there is value in, in any uh, group, in any, mostly in a, in a government, for a, a vision that is a little bit different from everybody else's vision. So in the city council, for sure, because of the candidates who are running right now, we will have expertise. We will have a lot of uh, people who've been involved with different commissions and the government of Valparaiso. So we will have that. But I think there's a need uh, for someone who, who can think out of the box just because uh, he's not been molded into, you know, the, the Valparaiso microculture, which, which is a normal thing to happen. And, and maybe to force some conversation that would not be there otherwise. So uh, I hope people will see the value in that. And uh, I thank you so much for... Well, we've been li listening uh, today to both Todd Etzler and Jill, okay, um, about issues in the city. And uh, want to remind people, you have been listening at ABC at noon. Uh, and this replays uh, on Tuesday at 5, Sunday again at 5, next Tuesday at 5 as well. So thank you very much for listening, Paul. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Jao. Yeah, no, thank you very much for having me on your program. Okay, enjoyed it.